0: This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska. A place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. The verses today are from Acts 16, uh, verses 6-10. through 10. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the holy spirit from preaching the word in the province of asia when they came to the border of mysia they tried to enter bithynia but the spirit of jesus would not allow them to so they passed by mysia and went down to troas during the night paul had a vision of a man of macedonia standing and begging him come over to macedonia and help us after paul had seen the vision we got ready at once to leave for macedonia Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Good morning, Community Covenant Church. It's a joy to be with you this morning on this special day as we have installed you, Todd. It's official now, man. You can cut loose and go. <laughs> so, but it's a joy and I'm so thankful that God has called you here. And it's a joy to come to now to a time to uh, look into God's Word and to, uh, really to in some ways, uh, look back. As I was given the task to share somewhat, to give a sermon that captures uh, some of uh, the history of the work of the covenant here in Alaska, uh, and weave that into a sermon. So here we go. Huh? Let's um, let's go to God in prayer. Uh, living God, we're grateful for these moments we have together, and we pray now that you would quicken our hearts to your word, that you might be our teacher. So speak to us now, we're, we're listening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I, I grew up in the village of Unilokleet, which is up near Nome, it's on the Diderad Trail. It's a fishing village. And Unilokleet is where the work of the covenant began in 1887. Uh, a man named Axel Carlson, a Swedish man named Axel Carlson, uh, was called, uh, from, from Sweden, interestingly enough. And, you know, some of you may know stories, the story of, uh, of the work in Alaska, and so maybe these stories will be, you've heard before. But um, but I just hope to, and if you haven't, if you're fairly new to the Covenant Church and the Covenant Church here in Alaska, uh, one thing I, I just celebrate and give thanks for is the is the rich history that we have, and the the rich history of people who have been faithful to the preaching of God's word. And even as I look out, I see people who have been a part of that work in significant ways. Uh, in the past, I see Ralph and Gert Fondell. I grew up listening to Ralph and Gert on KICY radio in Nome, which began in 1960. Uh, and and uh, so I, I see them here, and I'm not going to get everybody, but I was, I was looking over here. I see Hank Pearson and Lil. Uh, Hank served in the role that I'm, I'm serving in. And I can remember as a high schooler, the field director coming to visit my hometown, Hank Pearson. And uh, so, and and so, so many others that are here that um, have contributed and been a part of God's story, uh, of His work in Alaska. So um, I've got some pictures. So uh, if you want to go ahead and put the pictures up. Um, so, this is uh, I, I I like this one. And it, it, you know what I thought when I saw this? We've come a long way, baby. <laughs> we have come a long way. But, but even with this picture, there's, there captures, um, you know, I mean, this guy, he, he's not a native, but, uh, he's dressed like one, but he's, he's, you know, there's, there's stories of perseverance, there's stories of creativity, there's stories of entrepreneurialism, uh, it's all there in the story of God at work here in Alaska since 1887. Uh, and like I said, there was the, the Swedish man who came, his name, his name was Axel Carlson. You know, it's, um, the the passage we read from Acts chapter sixteen, the, the Macedonian call. You know, it's a story that when you think about it, it's it's the it's the gospel that's going forth into the world beyond a, a Jewish identified movement. Because many of the early followers of Jesus were, were mainly Jewish. And the people of the day looked at looked at the movement as being akin to being a, a, like the Pharisees or the Sadducees or one of those other Jewish groups. It, now, these are the Jesus followers, like John the Baptist followers. Uh, but at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was given, doors started opening. And really, Acts is all about the door open, of the, the movement of the Gospel, where it, the doors are burst open wide for people like you and me, Gentiles. And so many amazing stories. But in this story, when you think about it, we're, we're right here. Paul is having an encounter where we're talking about the gospel moving from one continent to another into Macedonia, which is part of, of Europe. Hopefully, my geography is right. <laughs> but it, it's so interesting that what does it begin with? How does that happen? What initiates this call or this, this movement? A dream. A dream. A vision. Paul in the night It has a vision with a man of Macedonia standing there urging him saying, Come. Come over to Macedonia and help us. You see, uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes in my little brain I can think, Okay, here's the game plan. I used to be a coach in basketball, so, you know, I used to drum up game plans. We're gonna play man to man against this team. We're gonna shoot the three, and we're gonna full court press. You know, we come up with game plans, you know? Um, we like to strategize, and that's all, that's great. But the movement of the gospel was catalyzed with a nudging of God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit giving Paul a vision. And when he saw the vision, he sought to go into Macedonia concluding concluded that God had called them to preach the gospel to those people there. So, this man, Axel Carlson, uh, s- centuries after Paul had a vision, um, he didn't have a vision, he didn't have a dream, but a Swedish explorer had come who had been throughout the Arctic waters and he had encountered uh, native Alaskans and... When he had encountered Native Alaskans, uh, this this and this was in the late 1800s, in 1880 or so, uh, the scene was not the scene was grim. He had encountered people who were dealing with starvation, and the reason why they were dealing with starvation is and and when you look at the the, the movement of um, the gospel in Alaska and the, and just the story of Alaska, I mean, there's a story of people like me with my heritage, Alaska Native, indigenous. People, uh, that's one story. You have the stories of people like Axel Carlson and Sheldon Jackson and Vinayamanov, who was Russian Orthodox priest and the ten monks who went to Kodiak in 1794 to start a mission work of the Russian Orthodox Church, uh, the first Christian missionaries to, to this land. Uh, you have a different story and we're in a place where two stories, uh, come together. And what's beautiful is that those stories come together all under the big story of what God is doing in the world. So when Axel Carlson came, already there had been, uh, in that area, there had been whalers that had come decades before. Whalers came really from all over the world. There were British whalers, there was Portuguese, there was a lot of different whalers. And when they had come, there was, they, they decimated the population of whales, And walruses. And those were the, those were the, the, um, the underpinnings of the economy for the native people on the coast. Uh, the oldest continuously inhabited place here in Alaska, the village of Point Hope, uh, is a whaling community. And so when you had these whalers come from the outside, these two stories that collide, indigenous peoples and whalers, uh, there was decimation of the whale and walrus population. And the result was, was starvation. And not only did they decimate the whales and the walrus populations, they brought whiskey. And that brought a whole host of, of problems. They brought diseases. Uh, and so, when Axel Carlson came, when the Swedish explorer came before him, there was a great deal of, of brokenness. There's a story that on St. Lawrence Island where the villages of Gamble and Savunga are. Uh, there's a story of um, that Sheldon Jackson heard. Sheldon Jackson was the first uh, missionary that came Protestant. He was Presbyterian. But here's the story of, of um, some people who came upon uh, a village. And virtually the entire village had died from starvation because the hunters uh, had uh, during the summertime instead of gathering there was alcohol. And Excessive consumption of alcohol. And so, virtually an entire village died, you know? So, when Carlson hears these things uh, from the Swedish explorer, there's, there's significant brokenness. And, you know, oftentimes you hear things, um, you, you will hear when the history of um, Alaska is talked about and the history of mission work especially, is um, you hear quite an indictment against missionaries. And I've heard it many times, uh, because missionaries were were, were involved with um, in schools, and in the schools, uh, part of the aim was to um, was to civilize uh, the native peoples and to really to assimilate them. And there were unintended consequences, but but oftentimes, see, it's, it's the missionaries who receive the first round of indictments in terms of the the struggles that have uh, that. We as Alaskan people have have dealt with uh, over the decades, um, but a reality that we don't hear about is is that before every time missionaries came, there were people who had been there before them, outsiders who had been there before them. In the 1790s, when the first Russian Orthodox missionaries came, there were fur traders. Fur, there were people who were that came from Russia to uh, because they heard about the incredible amount of fur bearing. Mammals that existed in the in the waters of Alaska, and so there was a fur rush, and they brought a whole host of things. Um, in the in the middle eighteen hundreds. There was the whale rush that that um, that whalers came, and I told you just how how there was that that brought a host of of um, issues that led to brokenness. Um, and so, well before there was ever missionary contact, there were there was outsiders who came uh, before the missionaries. And you don't hear about that too often. When the missionaries come on the scene, and Axel Carlson, what does he hear about? He hears about the great uh, struggles of of starvation, of of brokenness, of disease. Um, That was real, you know? It was just, it was real. And so a call was given. People in Sweden, not connected to the United States of America, mind you, okay? a call goes out to the Covenant Church in Sweden that had just formed in 1885. And they said, you know what? We need to send someone. And so two men, Axel Carlson was one of the two men came, uh, were sent, not knowing a lick of, um, of Native Alaskan language. They knew Russian and Swedish, uh, and probably some English. Uh, they spent the year in San Francisco preparing in the 1886, and, and uh, in the summer of 1887, they boarded a steamer called the St. Paul. And they ended up in a town called St. Michael's, which is about 40 miles south of my hometown of, of Yenlokleet. But Car- Carlson never intended to stay in Alaska. That wasn't his goal. His goal wasn't to stay in Alaska. His heart and his mind was in Siberia. And, and they had, uh, him and his partner had been jailed in Siberia a couple of years before. But, um, but through God's providence, he met, he met the chief. From my village of of Yonoke, Chief Nishaluk and some other men, and in the summer in June of eighteen eighty, July of eighteen eighty seven, they boarded a skin boat with nineteen other people and twelve dogs, barrels of seal oil and whale oil that they had gathered, uh, and made a, a six day journey, forty miles, six days. Along the way, on day number six, they encountered a storm and almost died. They were throwing the dogs overboard and the cargo overboard, uh, but they survived. Carlson, when he got to my hometown, uh, his life was threatened, uh, and he was almost killed. He was—he was recounted the story of a man charging with a knife, and a, and a young Eskimo boy uh, intervened and saved him. And so Carlson, much like the people we read about in Acts, he—he he survived. He survived, and he overcame great obstacles. There's, I just read a story recently how he was ice fishing out on the, right near the mouth of the river, and all of a sudden he realized that the ice had broken off from the shore, and he was drifting out. Uh, and so he just got his cell phone out and called for uh, search and rescue to come, right? No, he jumped in the water, and, and it happened there was someone else there to help pull him out of the water, you know? I mean, these people overcame great obstacles. Great challenges. You ever been in that boat before? Great obstacles and great challenges in your own life and in the life of this church and trying to advance the gospel, advance God's kingdom? I think so, huh? We, we face challenges. Maybe not our being broken off from the shoreline of ice, but, but, um, but these people face great challenges. Uh, you know, there's a picture of a, of a reindeer herder. Uh, actually, this is a guy named Misha Ivanov, my great-grandfather's half-brother. Um, Sheldon Jackson hatched an idea to address the starving. He, he brought reindeer from, from Norway, from among the Sami people, indigenous people. They brought like, I don't know, 200 some reindeer, maybe more, uh, on a ship across the Atlantic, then on a railroad to Seattle. And when they got to Seattle in March of whatever year it was, the government said, um, hold on, you need to wait there for a while. They had brought moss to feed the reindeer, and they ran out of moss. There's pictures of these Sami people with reindeer outside Woodland Park Zoo in Seattle. Uh, the reindeer trying to eat grass, you know? <laughs> and so the reindeer don't really do well on grass. Um, but there was something that was burning in Sheldon Jackson's heart, who was Presbyterian. And it was burning because he knew Jesus. And he knew that Jesus cared about those who were hungry. He knew that Jesus cared about those who were sick. And so some wild idea, he brings all these reindeer, and that kind of failed. And they ended up getting reindeer from Siberia, and, and hiring uh, Siberian reindeer herders, as well, as well, and then as well as Sami. And, and so there's a story of, um, of reindeer herding to, to, to address star, starvation. People who were facing hunger because their economy had crashed because of whalers. One of our covenant churches in Macorick, their mascot, you know what their mascot is? The McCorick herders. Because they herd reindeer on Macorick Island. And why are there reindeer on Macorick Island? Because someone had a vision being spurred on by Jesus to care for those who are hungry. In hmm? their mascot. One of our churches. There's a story. There's a story. Well, God's gospel took root in the hearts of people in Unoclete and around the region. Uh, throughout the Norton Sound. And this is just mainly from the Covenant Church's perspective. There's so much history. I taught a, I piloted a course at Alaska Christian College on the history of Christianity in Alaska, trying to just un, unpack the stories. But some of the stories that I, I told the students, I said, you know what? God's gospel took root in the hearts of people here, the indigenous peoples, um, of all peoples, all kinds of people, but um, but it took it took root in the hearts of um, indigenous peoples, and this is a picture from about 1922, and these were these are pastors, Alaska Native pastors. They didn't go to seminary. One of them did in this picture. My great grandfather, he's the third from the, he's the third from the left, short little guy. <laughs> they said he could do he could he could do anything: build boats, play music. And one time I got up to preach in Unalakleet, and the elder came up and said, "Man, you sound just like your great grandfather." I was like, wow, cool, man. But these are people, these are people who the gospel took root. And without much training, but with a fire burning in them, they answered God's call to preach and teach and to serve. And so uh, the gospel took root. One of the first things that that, um, Carlson established and that the Covenant Church established throughout Alaska uh, were schools. Uh, and there were schools. Um, in the big picture, it was about assimilation. Uh, but I know that in the mich- hearts of the missionaries, they, they felt like they were called to, 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 um, to help these people to navigate uh, this new world. Al White, the former principal of Covenant High School, which was in existence from 1954 to 1985 in Indian Cleet, did an amazing, amazing work in in Western Alaska. Uh, um, he said this about the work of Covenant High School. Because um, I asked him, I said, "So Al, did you, what do you guys do with native language? You know, because when there was assimilation, one of the things that was stripped of Native people was was language. You know, grand, my grandparents' generation would talk about how if they spoke in their native language, they would get their mouths washed out with soap. You know, uh, they got new names. One of our pastors' wives." Uh, her her um, her maiden name is Coolidge because one day in school the in the in the southwest Alaska near Bethel, uh, the teacher was calling roll and he couldn't say the uh, this this woman's dad's name, and so it happened to be um, I don't know what day it was specifically but he said well from this day forward you're Calvin Coolidge, <laughs> and so he named him after a president you know uh, there's a, there was a guy named Abraham Lincoln in, in White Mountain. Uh, you know, the, the names they gave to people was interesting, uh, how they, how they did. But they, our, our native people called them Christian names, you know. Uh, there's a lot of names up in the Northwest Arctic in the Cotsview area. They named people last names after the, after people from their home church in California. So the church in California would feel connected to the people there. So they could pray for them, you know. It was all good intentions. I don't know about the ones though. There's, there's some people who have last names like coffee and beans, you know. I'm like going, someone was not thinking they were, you know. So, you know, so just, the, just our last names. I'm Ivanov. I have Russian descent. But, but even the names, it, it bears witness to the change. It's the great change. But, but so here's a picture of school children. Uh, and Al White said, I never, I never got, I never told you what Al White said. Al White said, you know what? We saw, and he started in 1955, we saw that there was a, a, um, uh, a bulldozer coming. And that I would rather, instead of my students getting bulldozed over by this new, this change, this incredible change in life, we want to equip them to be at the controls, you know. Bulldoze other people. <laughs> he didn't say that. <laughs> no, but, but to be equipped, just navigate the world, you know. And so they, they went for it, and they did an incredible ministry. A gospel ministry. One of my favorite stories of someone answering a call is, is this man right here. His name is Wilson Ganungden. And really, it's not just about him answering a call, but it was about the people who gathered together in 1919, the first of its kind, after over 20 years of gospel work in Alaska among people in, in, in the Enochleed area, and Northern Sound. Um, they got together, the native peoples, the native pastors and leaders, uh, for a conference. And the um, result of that conference was... Um, was that they, they took an offering and I have, I have a piece of history right here. Here's how, here's how we get our history, folks. <laughs> Someone brought this to my office one day and said, here, you might want to take this. And, and so, um, this is a coffee can that came from Don Bruckner, uh, you know, um, although it's not U-Ban, um, but in here is a, is a, this great presentation of the work in Alaska from the beginning until about 1980. But in here there's, and so it's a flip chart, it's um old school PowerPoint, but in the flip chart they, they show um, an offering that was taken in 1919. Two things. They, they took an offering of $86 of fish, and $286 was given by a ladies group called Sewing Circle, and with that monies, they sent this man and his family to Mountain Village. Why? To go and start a church. And during this era, these these nineteen nineteen and following, there was some fruitful ministry in people's lives. People like Wilson Ganungan. people like Reuben Penitich, people like Joshua Awanona, people like Jacob Kinnick. Here's a picture right here. It's in the back too, but this is a uh, the conference, in, the Covenant Conference in nineteen forty seven, uh, and these are some of the native pastors right here. It's kind of small; you might not be able to see it. But, but um, I had this is hanging in my office to spur me on in in a way that these people answered the call without much Bible training, mind you. But because of the presence of God's Spirit in their lives, they answered the call and and this man, Wilson Ganungan, went to a Church in Mountain Village. And so you can go to Mountain Village today and go to Mountain Village Covenant Church because Wilson Ganungan said, Hey, Lord, here am I. Send me. I'll go. This is the old church right here that you see. They have a new church. but um, But you can go there today. There's a church there because... Somebody said yes. And not because somebody said yes, but because God's Spirit nudged him. God was at work, and God has been at work in for for decades. One of the people that's in this picture, here he is at the conference in 1962, the 75th anniversary of the covenant in Alaska. This picture was taken in 1947, so he was still at it in 1962, you know. Joshua Awanona. These kind of things they, they spur me on because it speaks of God's faithfulness. it speaks of people who respond to what what God is doing in the world. So throughout these decades there were some of the, some of the more fruitful ministries of, of the indigenous among our, among our native people. you, you look at past, you look at pictures of the pastors group I couldn't find it. I, I saw it a few days ago and I couldn't find the, the picture from this conference but um, there was a picture of all the pastors. And it was mostly Alaska Native people, you know? And why is that? It's because the work was going on in in Western Alaska among Alaska Native people. That's our history. That's where we come from. But God just doesn't stop moving, does He? Uh, Some of these same people who were at this conference, uh, they had relatives in Anchorage. And people said, hey, you know what? We need to to see a church in Anchorage. Years later, they said, we we need to see a church in, in Bethel. Because people from Macquarie, where a church began in 1936 by Jacob Kinnick, they they said, we need to, there's a lot of people from our hometown in Bethel. We need to start a church in Bethel. So you can go to Bethel Evangelical Covenant Church today. Because people were saying yes to God's call. You can go to church in Fairbanks. Because somebody said, hey, you know what? There's college students there at, UA, at UAF. We need to reach out to them. So people were saying yes. And somebody said yes to, hey, you know what? We need a church in Eagle River. And so people gather together. um, Boy, 18 years ago? 19 years ago? 17 years ago? (laughs) Somebody said yes. And we're here because someone said yes. People have been saying yes to God's call among our churches and among our people. Traditionally, an Alaska native um, mission, if you will. Uh, That's our history. But God has been at work and growing and reaching out to, to all peoples here in Alaska. Here in Eagle River, and wouldn't you know it? Uh just a few years ago, someone said, Yes, let's let's plant a church in East Anchorage. And your church was a part of God's movement to start a new church, a new work in East Anchorage called Chugach Covenant Church. See, God is is at work in Alaska. I like to go back to our roots and think about our roots um, because that's that's our DNA. And um, going back, way back to our roots, the people who began the Covenant Church, they are Swedish, but they're, they're, in a recent publication here in our Covenant called The Covenant Quarterly, there was an article talking about the passion of those people. And it was captured by this phrase right here. The Swedish immigrants, those who were, those who began the work of the covenant in the United States and then even those then from Sweden who sent missionaries to Alaska, their passion was this Jesus love more real. Jesus more real. God's work more evident. Jesus more real. God's work more evident. And so I'm I'm, I'm telling you stories of, of people who who this was their the roots of their, their passion, their heart. Was to see more w- of God's work being done. And so that's why in 1954, a school was started in, in Unalakleet called Covenant High School for 31 years. But before that, they, they started Covenant High really with a heart to, to train Alaska Native people to be equipped for vocational ministry. They wanted to see God's work more evident because they wanted to see Jesus more real. There were people who gathered around a studio in nineteen sixty. And he's there's there's Ralph. This is this is a picture of Ralph right here in nineteen sixty. Yep. Yep. Nineteen sixty. Him, he's in the background in the in the studio. And then that's Art Zilstra, who was uh I don't know if that was the very first broadcast or what, Ralph, but it was one of the first ones. And uh but people had a passion. To encourage people who lived in villages that just depended on radio, you know, and and now KICY not only encourages people in Western Alaska, you could go online and hear them too. But but they they turn their towers towards Russia and Siberia and broadcast the good news of Jesus far into Siberia. There's a fifty thousand watt tower. They they blast the good news of Jesus. Why? Because. That's our passion—to see Jesus more real, God's works more evident. That's why—that's why people started schools. That's why nurses came to Alaska to care for those who are who are sick. There's a picture of KICY and a bunch of people gathering around in its early days. People who want to see Jesus more real, God's work more evident. That's—that's that's who we are as a covenant church. People who care about orphans. My great-grandfather, <clears throat> he was raised... I just learned this two weeks ago. I was talking to one of my, my dad's buddies growing up. My dad passed away when I was seven. So I was talking to one of my dad's buddies who's um, a distant cousin. He said, you know, um, our great-grandfather, was he met his wife in, in the children's home in Yenocleet. That's where he was raised, in an orphanage. I was like, no kidding. Yep, and that's why he and his wife would take in orphans. They would take in orphans. Why would they take in orphans? Because they had been touched by the love of Jesus. They knew Jesus was real. They knew that Jesus cares about those who are, who are on the edge, those who are orphans, those who are widows. And so my great grandfather and his wife, they would bring in orphans and, and care for them because they wanted to see God's works more evident. Amen? And so that's, those are, that's our DNA, friends. It 's why people like you, people from your church, start a ministry called the Open Table to minister to those who are released from prison to help them enter back into into the world into into society with the good news of jesus that's why, that's why you do it right It's because Jesus cares about those who are on the edge, those who are disadvantaged, those who are poor. Jesus cares about those people. I was just at the hospital last night to at the bedside of a young man from my hometown. He attempted to hang himself, and by the Lord's mercies, he's still alive. But you know what? His family, I, I coached. I was a coach, and I was his teacher, and I was the coach of his sister and their youth pastor, and they got the CT scan two days ago, and the doctor came in and said, you know what? There's, there's, there's hemorrhaging in the brain. The brain stem is, is shrinking or whatever. Whatever was happening... It didn't look good. And so my, my wife had gone there to, to pray with them, and to pray for them, and, and others were praying. My wife was there when the doctor came back in with the MRI. Hours later, four hours later, or whatever it was, and he said, you know what? Uh, there's, there's no bleeding. And he looks like he's going to make it. They were, they were, they were completely stunned. And the family had gone from the deep, deep valley of thinking they're going to lose their brother and son to like he might live. But you know what? He attempted suicide. And and we live in a place where and we we live in a place where suicide. My grandma in an interview in 1994 said it's like it's like putting butter on. When I was growing up, she said we didn't hear about suicide. But but today it's like putting butter on bread. You know, it's too common of a story. And there we were at the bedside of this young man. By the Lord's mercies, he's, he's going to live. But it's why his, his plight, his situation, it's why our church three years ago said, you know what, we need to have a day of prayer to pray that God would deliver people who have, who have, struggled, with thinking, have struggled with despair and have attempted suicide or whose families have suffered loss from loved ones who have committed suicide. And so our church, our denomination here in Alaska, we have a day of prayer to pray and fast and to pray for God, that God would deliver people who are who despair. Why? Because we want to see Jesus more real and God's works more evident in this community, in this state, in the world. That's who we are, friends. Paul had a vision. And he responded because Jesus was real to him. Jesus was real. He had a, he had heard from him on the road to Damascus. He, Jesus was real, and Paul could not do anything but help to respond and say, "Okay, I want to see your works more evident, Jesus." And so we read our scriptures that Paul wrote because Jesus was real, and he wanted to see God's works more evident. And he responded to this vision, this vision to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Friends, God has called you, God has called us, the Covenant Church in Alaska, to see Jesus be more real to people who are lost, to people who are hurting, to people who are struggling economically, to people whose marriages are on the brink, to people who are addicted to alcohol and drugs. To Jesus, This is the heart of Jesus, and this is who we are. We are the kind of people who say, okay, Lord, we want to see your works more evident. And so, uh, this is, this is, uh, Alaska church history of the covenant church in 30 minutes. But you know what? It's, it is, this is our DNA. This is who we are. And so I would pray that you would be spurred on to see Jesus more real in your life. To see Jesus more real in your relationships with your children. To see Jesus more real in your marriage. To see Jesus more real in the way that you love your enemy. In the way that you love your neighbor. In the way that you do your work where you work. To see Jesus more real and God's works more evident. I would pray that God would just bust the seams of your heart. The seams of this church. To where you've got to get new wineskins. Because you're saying, yes Lord. We're going to follow the nudging of your spirit and go where you want to send us. Macedonia, that's a long ways away. But sometime, somewhere, someone said yes. And we're today still seeing people say yes, like Rooney. Rooney from Hooper Bay. He's a young man right now. He's in Oklahoma studying scripture. I think he might be a pastor someday. I don't know. I sure hope so because we need pastors. Right now, Hooper Bay is looking for a pastor, you know? But might we be people who say yes? We have, we come from a people. Who said yes? We come from a people who persevered. They flew in planes like uh, they 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 moved around like this, and they 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 gathered in places like that, and they started schools like that. They said yes to see Jesus more real and God's works more evident. Amen. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, you've been in the business of um, nudging people. You've been in the business of of uh, pouring out your fire into people's hearts for a little over 2,000 years now. When we're here today because someone responded to your nudging and said, Yes, yes, Lord, we'll start a church. Yes, Lord, we will be the planting pastor. Yes, Lord, we're going to start a ministry to reach out to those who are HIV positive. Yes, Lord, we're going to start a ministry that reaches out to, to people who have who have been divorced and who struggle. Yes, Lord, we're going we're gonna to reach out to people who are struggling economically. So God, keep nudging us and I pray that by your grace that we might be a people who say yes and live into what you call us to here in Eagle River, here in Alaska. Now, we're your people. We call ourselves the Evangelical Covenant Church of Alaska, Lord, but really... We're your people. We're Jesus' people. So help us to live into that and to be bearers of your good news faithfully and fruitfully by your power. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.